You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Oh my gosh, our our house is just full of so many things. Yeah, so I think we, yeah, like not just, and the label is still together. We're still doing it. We're just kind of doing it like more part-time instead of full-time. I was really pushing it full-time for a while. And then I realized, you know, I can make a lot more money doing art like what I was doing. And I'd rather, you know, it was kind of just killing the excitement for me a little bit, too. So I realized that I was happier doing music myself rather than supporting other bands, which I also enjoyed that experience of helping other bands, you know, break out. Um, and I still completely will do that, you know, as my, you know, part time. But I didn't want to do it like full time and miss out on making music. So that was like, you know... I was doing everything all at once and I was kind of getting burned out. So I just kind of, you know, took a step back and focused more on what I love, which is making the music. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. I hope you had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter. And trust me when I say this, if you are ever in Montreal and you are looking for a killer metal show to go to, well, Heavy Montreal will have you covered. I'm beyond stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hoffs Metal Podcast. Did you get a chance to check out the brand new Cryptopsy song? I hope that you did. It is now available on all streaming platforms. It is the first single coming up from our first album in over 10 years called As Gamora Burns. I am so excited to finally talk about the brand new Cryptopsy record that's coming out on September 8th via Nuclear Blast Records. Do it. Go check it out if you haven't yet. If you have, check it out again in abeyance. It's available on all streaming platforms. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to Follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. To someone in your life that just loves extreme, brutal death metal, well, you should absolutely let them know that the podcast exists. You could tell them that there are over 400 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best extreme metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you would encourage one of your brutal metal heads to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. That's Today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be with Malika Sundaramurthy of Unfathomable Ruination and Emasculator. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 422. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm very stoked to be with Malika Sundaramurthy of Unfathomable Reunation, um, Emasculator, used to be an abnormality. I am very, very excited to be with you. I've been following you for many years. Um, many fans have wanted to have you on the podcast. Uh, here we are finally now hanging out. Uh, how are you doing? Hell yeah, I'm doing really good. I'm honored to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're working on something very secretive, but we can't talk about that. So we'll talk about a whole bunch of other things. Uh, first off, let's just jump straight into it. This is Vox and Hops, where I hang out with my fellow metalheads. We talk all about their lives and music, and we enjoy Killer Craft beer. So, so what beer do you have on your side that we're going to be sharing virtually today? Okay, so... This one is a Czech-made beer. It's Mouflon, and it's the Red Ale 
13%. Ooh. But it's the 13% isn't about alcohol. It refers to the amount of hops in it. It's, as you know, in Czech Republic, if you know about that. Or grains. Grains or hops or something. I remember you know, I was <laughs> yes. playing a bar in yeah. Czech once, and there was this percentage thing. We, we were all like, oh, my God, we're going to drink that. <laughs> and we were crushing this beer all day, and we were like, I'm not drunk. It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually in America the percent re- refers to the amount of alcohol, so we, or or in Canada, but this refers to like yeah the the texture of the beer. But it is a strong beer. I was warned to be careful with it. <laughs> so and this is my first time trying this one actually. So we'll enjoy it together. Hell yes. Um, I asked I asked my husband Serge to pick out something special for the podcast because I know it's all about beer and metal. So I didn't want to just drink anything. So this one is supposed to be good. I'll let you know as I'm drinking it. Well, cheer, cheers to Serge for, for being your sommelier, your beer sommelier <laughs> for this special occasion. On my side, I am drinking something new that I've never had before. Uh, it's from Le Relais Boreal. Now, Boreal is a massive brewery here in Quebec. Um, one of the biggest macro, micro breweries. They're, they're like mm-hmm. borderlining on not being micro anymore, but they basically put out the first red ale in Quebec back in the late eighties. And everyone thought it was like something was wrong with the beer, but it was just a red ale, you know? Um, now they've just expanded and started doing a bunch of haze over the past few years. Now they've opened this new establishment called Le Relais, which is a very, very small uh, tap room here close to my house in Montreal. And, uh, Gabrielle, who was on the podcast in the past, um, basically set up his little experiment shop in this place and he makes any beer that he wants because it's so tiny he can do small batches and turn them over and uh, they finally started like putting them in branded cans because they were just in white cans for the past year and here is this one this is their double ipa galaxy so it's 100 percent galaxy hops eight percent i'm gonna crack this and malika i'd love to hear about your very first beer my very first beer that oh my god <laughs> I don't I don't remember but I remember the first drink I ever had was like Mike's hard lemonade Hell yes. <laughs> in high school. Yes. We had the, we had something that similar was... up here in Montreal called Tornade, which is tornado. Cheers. Cheers. That looks gorgeous. Ooh, gorgeous nose. Oh wow. This is really good. And the uh, the glass is master, which is another good Czech beer, actually. Oh, yeah. So really- I, I, I asked my husband to pick the beer. He's actually very knowledgeable. He owns a bar in Czech Republic called Nightmare in Prague. No Yeah. Way. So, so he was a good guide for me in terms of the beer. <laughs> so, you know, that's cool. So next time I'm going to Prague, I'm going to Nightmare. Oh, yes, please. You have to. You'll be our guest of honor. <laughs> I, I would love that because I have been to a metal bar in Prague and, and you can... You're probably going to know Hell's Bells, I want to say. Hell's Bells, yeah. <laughs> and I drank a yeah. very strange, spicy IPA because in Czech, there, in Prague, there's a hot pepper festival that's very popular, mm-hmm. If I correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong there. And they had made an IPA for this festival, and I've never been able to find oh, wow. this beer again, but it was so spicy. It was too spicy. <laughs> okay, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, we have all kinds of festivals here a lot. I, I don't, I'm not aware of the spicy pepper one. That's interesting. But Hell's Bells, yeah, it's the most well-known metal bar in Prague. Yeah, I've spent some nights there. It's really fun. 
Yeah, our bar is about horror movies, but nice. it's kind of like also known as a metal bar because we're playing metal there all the time. Yeah. Horror and horror movies and metal just is a perfect crossover as much as beer and metal, oh, yeah. which makes me exactly. very happy. Yes. So, so take me yes. back to that first Mike, Mike's Hard Lemonade. What was the story oh, behind God. that? <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, just, you know, friends from high school and, you know, the first drink and, you know, hanging out with my buddies and like the, that's what they gave me my older, more experienced friends. They're like, for your first drink, you should have something fruity. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, they tasted like lemonade, but a little different. Yeah. Then in terms of beer, I think probably the first beers, you know, as Americans, you know, we're having like, you know, Coors or Budweiser, you know, and I thought for the longest time that I didn't like beer, you know, because that's what I was exposed to or PBR or whatever. <laughs> And then it wasn't until I moved to Czech Republic that I was like, oh, I like beer, actually. <laughs> it doesn't taste like piss water. I like it. <laughs> There's a lot of really good beer. And, you know, since I moved away, like this, um, you know, independent companies have really gotten more popular in the U.S. Oh, yeah. and Canada. Yeah. So, like, I've really missed out on the craft beer movement because I think I would have loved it, you know, if I was still in America. I would have enjoyed it all. But it's, it's also popular here in Czech Republic, a lot of craft beer companies, too. And the classic Czech beer is really really good beer some of the best in the world yeah and there's so many craft beer breweries here in montreal that just yeah. put out czech style beers there's one in specifically called silo uh, here in montreal yeah. and there's actually like a whole pilgrimage that happens a bunch of quebec brewers do that they all pilgrim to czech republic to to like apprenticeship underneath these oh, classic yeah. czech brewers so and then they come back and they definitely don't mm -hmm. steal czech yeast they never do that because it's illegal okay. but they totally do yeah <laughs> and then fly oh, home yeah. okay, with so. this, this living culture yeah. you know in their in their mm -hmm. in their luggage which they never do but they totally do <laughs> Yeah, but it's like it's definitely a whole culture here. It's like the the beer country here, you know, and it's a long, long history of beer mm -hmm. making, and and uh, it's all about like the water that goes into the beer, like the highest quality everything, and yeah, they really, really hold their beer on a high level here, and and they also make sure that it's affordable, which is really interesting. Like that, it's like subsidized by the government, and there's a saying that. Beer is cheaper than water everywhere, and it's true. Wow! And when you go to the restaurant, the beer the beer is cheaper than the water, like because they want to make it accessible to all. And it's like you get a really tasty beer, and like for a really affordable price. So. See, that's a big difference from the states. If you had stayed in the states with the craft beer boom, you definitely yeah. would be spending a lot more money. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, when you get the more like you know craft like uh, you know small brewery stuff, you can pay more but for like the mainstream beer they keep it like at a at a really uh cheap price and and good stuff yeah but i think it's worth it you know you know to you know if you're going to spend your money might as well spend it on something that you enjoy you know something that people put a lot of love into like you know? death metal people like short <laughs> yes <laughs> invest in death metal we need it um, <laughs> take me back to the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardians house what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio what music did your parents or guardians listen to oh god <laughs> So my, my parents are divorced, have been since I was in second grade, um, and they are very different people listening to very different kinds of music. Um, 
So my mom was kind of a hippie, like in the 70s, um, but then she converted to born-again Christianity, and after that, she only listened to, like, Christian music. But, like, when we were kids, we were exposed to some different, like, you know, like Joni Mitchell and, and you know, some good folk kind of music, and then later my mom was just, like, blasting the, the Christian tunes. And my dad is from India, so I was exposed to a lot of, you know, Indian music and classical music, like, you know, Ravi Shankar, I was going to, like, concert with my dad, and, um, yeah, a lot of Indian music, and my stepmother is also Indian, she was playing a lot of the, you know, the pop Indian music, like, from the movies. The Bollywood with that? <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah, they're... Yeah, yeah. They're from South India, so it's Tamil movies, and the Bollywood is, like, the the Hindi movies, like, from the north. Um, but, you know, nowadays they, they make the movies, like, for everyone. They just, like, translate the languages. They dub it for mm. everybody. And, like, they, I think it's, like, world, you know, all over India, like, the movie industry is the same now. But it used to be, like, north versus south, and my family was more, like... They're from the South, and the movies they watched were the Southern movies. Okay. I guess they, they realize that there's so many people you can, if you're, you can profit off you so many everyone. more people. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Come yes. on, people. Let's, let's work together. <laughs> let's, let's, let's bring everyone together. Stop segregating stuff. No more genres and death metal. Death metal is death metal. Come on, people. No more, no more beer wars. Just, just drink beer, people. Yeah, but the, those like some of those pop songs I really hated. Honestly, my, some of them were really bad, and my and my stepmom was like controlling the radio with a strong arm. But so when I was you know a teenager, I'd go in my room and you know blast my music loud, and yeah, it wasn't really their their cup of tea. But what would be the, the something you brought into the house? Um, that was against your parents' values, let's say. What would be the first CD that, or first album that really shocked your parents of this, or if it did shock them, uh, of this new, new, new discovery of your identity, let's say? Um, well, I started, you know, listening to, like, rock and hard rock, like, classic rock on the radio, and then I got into, this was in the 90s, and I started getting into heavier stuff, like, with new metal, because that was, you That's know, all, all the rage then. The and, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I was, you know, I was listening to like Rage Against the Machine. Um, Deftones was my favorite band in high school. And um, I really liked Stone Temple Pilots and Alice in Chains. Like it was like from like eighth grade, ninth grade. That's when, you know, the grunge movement was big, like Nirvana and Soundgarden and everything. So I started with that like lighter stuff. I really like was drawn to the heavier music. And then as I discovered heavier and heavier music that's the direction i went into and eventually landing in death metal <laughs> which isn't the usual route that people take i guess but it, it was like a you know a gradual thing with me and making friends and sharing music sharing cassette tapes with yes. friends <laughs> that's how old i do. am that's what we had to do <laughs> that's all that's the only way you could discover music it's really crazy the world is so different now and, um, but yeah, we were giving each other, Oh, you got to hear this. We take it from the CD. Like first it was it. like tapes, right? It. But then I would <laughs> carry home this tape. <laughs> yeah. And then when CDs came out, then we would like dub it from the CD to a tape yes. and give it to your friend. Like, Oh, I recorded this or, or, you know, burn a CD yes. for each other. Like Burning later CDs. Once, once, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> going from high school to college. That's what I did. I'd have like, you know, burn CDs for friends from the actual CD and then get CDs from my friends. And that's how we shared music. That was 
before Napster and like as Napster was coming out, but I wasn't, I wasn't into Napster. Like I, it was beyond me then. And I didn't want to do the whole illegal thing. So I let other people give me stuff from Napster, but I didn't delve into that. That's smart. Let them get the viruses. (laughs) Yeah. And that was just, (laughs) and I knew it was like wrong. So I was like buying real CDs, but I was checking out other music from burn stuff that my friends were giving me. And But yeah, in high school, like I was just, you know, discovering a lot of stuff from the radio or going to shows and uh, as many shows as I could go to and going to like Warp Tour and um, uh, Lollapalooza and like, you know, different. Yeah. And Ozfest later in high school. Yeah. Like I went like 97, 98, 99 and uh, discovered a lot of music that way. Like that was Slipknot's first tour, like big tour. And I was I was at that show. Crazy. Yeah crazy people still listening to it and they're still huge and it's awesome yeah like my, our generation had some of the best music yeah for sure like all that stuff really influenced me and like yeah and just it was like an exciting time yeah i just love music so much and like yeah just somehow got drawn more and more to the more extreme side of things <laughs> and going into college and um i had a friend in high school that was in a death metal band i guess that was the first introduction to death metal and he was giving me like you know deicide cannibal corpse and stuff like that <laughs> and when i first got deicide i was like wow he really hates god and jesus <laughs> wow, this, this really... <laughs> i was like this is interesting yeah but i was kind of like you know rebelling against my mom's whole christianity thing so i was like it was speaking to me also on a certain level yeah what, what was and, her uh, reaction to you bringing in all this extreme stuff and to the house was it something that she opposed or did you have to do it secretly or was she just open about it yeah she didn't really say anything but i remember one day i was like you know writing down the lyrics from a band i like and she got the note she's like malika i'm worried about you what is this you wrote down on this paper it's like mom it's just from a song don't worry oh yeah but I know, but my parents didn't really, yeah, they didn't really have a problem with my music. They might tell me to t- turn it down or something. Yeah. They bought so. your headphones. Is- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they could, yeah. But um, yeah, when I started making music, then, you know, they were actually really supportive. Like, I mean, they had no problem with it. My dad was just kind of like, Malika, you have such a nice voice. Why don't you use it? <laughs> Why are you doing this screaming thing? But once it started going somewhere, then he was proud. He was like, good. He's like, then, then he would brag about me to, to random people. My daughter's in a death metal band. Like, That's <laughs> have you heard of them? <laughs> yeah, he's still to this day. <laughs> so once he saw that it was like something real, then, then, they, then he was proud. At first, he totally didn't get it. He was like, why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah, that's basically it. Do you remember, let's talk about your voice. It was the next topic I wanted to hit. It sounds like yeah. you went to a lot of shows. It sounds like your, your parents were very open about that as well, which is amazing. People let yeah. kids go see shows. More venues should be all ages. It's, it's, yeah. it's difficult to organize, but, but more venues should be all ages. Young kids should be at shows. It's, it's so much to learn at a show. So it's cool that your parents let you do that. Mm-hmm. What would be the very first harsh vocals you ever heard? Um... Well, like, it was probably, like, just hanging out with that friend from high school. Like, I saw him play jamming with his band, and I was like, what is he doing, like, with his voice? How do you do that? Yeah. Um, but, like, the first concert with Harsh Vogels, or I guess, like, you know, watching Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, yes. right? When Cannibal yes. Corpse was That's in true. it. That was probably, I was probably, like, 12 when That's that true. came out, and I was like, 
I was like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was like, I don't know what that is, but I don't think I like it. And then later I discovered that I do like it. But Same. yeah, it was probably the first exposure to death metal and, you know, MTV or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I used to like just love watching MTV music videos. Just, you know, I just, you know, from a very young age, just love music in general. At first it was like rock music and hard rock, but then metal yeah uh, at what point did you start experimenting with your voice you mentioned that your, your father said they have such a beautiful voice were you a singer were you in the <laughs> choir before is it something they were you were you in theater uh I'm, I'm basically just saying all the things that i did in high school but uh <laughs> before i started yeah. screaming so, so talk to me about the, the evolution of your voice basically yeah when i was really young my parents put all of us kids into singing lessons like I had I grew up with three siblings so there's four of us and we were taking classical singing lessons wow. and doing concerts that way really? yeah so so I was you know I trained you know trained as much as could be singer and um and then later I would do chorus in school yeah um and much later um I when I was growing up, I took some opera singing lessons just to get better with, you know, to help with the the metal singing too. Yes, See, a lot of people a lot of people don't think that, right? A lot of people don't yeah. think that it would work and it would the 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 lessons would cross over, but that's not true. No, it did. And as having had experience with singing, I knew that the more the better I got with my clean singing, the more it would help with metal singing too. And you know, I know that the singing from the diaphragm is hugely important and who better than opera singers, you know, exactly. they, they sing without a microphone and exactly. they, they're just some of the most impressive vocalists ever. And, uh, in college I had a friend who was an opera singer and I was just, you know, enamored with her voice and her abilities. So yeah, I started with her. She gave me a couple. I sit next to her at a party and be like, by the way, what, how do you, Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> teach me and uh so I did you know a couple lessons with her and she's like so you're a soprano I was like wow it's cool so I kept going and then I started taking lessons with you know more full-time with another opera singer for like a year or something yeah until I don't remember why it stopped but oh she moved away that's why the, the teacher moved to New York City so I was in Boston so that's why I stopped taking lessons. But by then I had a pretty good foundation. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I got a lot out of this. I'm going to just for now, just keep doing apply, the metal thing. Apply those yeah. techniques to the extreme <laughs> vocals. Do you remember that yes, first time that yes. you, you, you had, you screamed and you were like, oh, I'm good at this. Or there was a potential um, of being good at it because we were rarely good right away. People are rarely good right away. Yeah, no, I'm going to admit that I sucked in the beginning and most people will suck. And it's just you have to have an interest to keep going. Yeah. So back then, you know, in you know, I was a teenager and, you know, I had just discovered what death metal was and I was just had a huge curiosity about it. And I was a singer, you know, I was, you know, I liked singing and I was just curious, like, how do you do that with your voice? And I only knew met only in chorus. You were never in a band doing clean vocals. No, but I had interest in being in a band. Like, I think since like, no doubt, I was like, oh, yeah. and Gwen Stefani was like, oh, I totally yeah. want to do this like her. Like, I was like, yeah, I was like in eighth grade or something. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I started fantasizing about like being in a band, I think from then. And like, you know, then later as like, I liked heavier music, I wanted to do, you know, a heavy band. And I was trying in high school, I was trying to find um, other people to jam with, but it never really panned out. I did jam with like some friends from high school, like we were going to do a talent show together and we did, <laughs> we covered, um, 
we covered a Deftones song together, and we were going to do it in the talent show, but then they moved the date of the talent show, and I already had tickets to Woodstock 99, so I had to make a choice. Naturally, I went to Woodstock 99. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. What, what, yeah, what Deftones yeah. track were you going to cover? It's from Adrenaline. Um, okay. There was Bored that kicked it off. There was Seven Words. It was seven words, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'll never be the same. Yeah. Breaking decency. Exactly. <laughs> don't be true. Drunk, don't <laughs> fall on my living room. Yeah, Tell me how we it. remember all that stuff. And, uh, yes. <laughs> yes, it was seven words. That's it. It's just been a minute since I've even thought about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, was, that makes me happy that I'm bringing you back <laughs> that far. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I was totally into the new metal thing, but it was it was huge back then, and I had the cake wear pants. Oh my gosh, they're so, so did they're I. like back now. <laughs> they're know. back. Like it's so weird for me <laughs> to be seeing it everywhere. <laughs> Everything yeah. is a cycle. Um, hopefully, hopefully, extreme death metal. It sort of seems like it's back. So I, I'm just going to keep riding the wave right now. It is. It's really popular right now. Yeah, I'm surprised. And it kind of never went away, too. Not like, for purists yeah, like us that, that are yeah. really involved in the scene, but yeah. in the popularity aspect of it. Yeah, in terms of young people getting exactly. into it. Bands yeah. like yeah. Undeath, Sang with Sugabog, other bands yeah, such yeah. as that, all these bands that are just popping off right now, packing rooms. Yeah, very cool. it's, yeah good for them. Yeah. Very cool. Very, <laughs> but, very cool. You know, these days I'm very much more into, you know, death metal and brutal death metal. But, you know, from time to time I might pop in a Deftones album or something reminisce. The yes. Nostalgia. Is nostalgia. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. That's why you have a, <laughs> a horror themed bar because nostalgia yes. is beautiful and very, very powerful. Uh, that, mm-hmm. So as your voice is evolving, you, you start doing harsh vocals. Uh, you continued taking voice lessons to become a more proficient death metal vocalist, extreme vocalist. Uh, at what point did something like click in you and you, it was like unlocking a Pandora's box? What, what, what would be that for your voice? So I think I developed my growl. Um, you know, I know that I developed my growl like around 17, 18 years old. Like I was just, you know, practicing to albums. I asked my friend who did it, he played guitar and sang, I'm like, how do you do this? He's like, I don't know. You just do it. Like, okay, thanks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just practiced until I got it. That, that was the advice back then. You just do it. You just do it your way. You find your way. And that's all we had back then. Nowadays, you can take vocal lessons for extreme vocals, but used to not be like that. Um, you mentioned you watched all the DVDs. I, I cut you off as you were saying that before. What DVDs were you yeah. talking about? Oh, well, I was going to say I did in college. I got the Melissa Cross Den of Screaming just out of curiosity. And yeah, I love that you had her on your show. Yeah. So, so that nice. was also influential. So nice. A lot of really good, um, good tips in there, you know, about, yeah, just like how not to mess up your throat on tour and things like that, that were very helpful. Absolutely. Um, but that was already after I had been doing death metal vocals. It was just like another good tool in the tool bag. Um, there must have been things that you were like, that you were like, oh, oh no, I'm already doing that. So it's like reinforcing yeah. that you are doing yeah. the right things. Yeah. And like good, like, you know, the classical music techniques I had already learned, you know, but like a lot of good um, common sense things like not talking over other bands and like. Yeah, and I really, you know, I really loved her uh, warm up too. Yeah, like I, I, still I, use I it. did. Yeah, I still use it too. Honestly, yeah, oh, we should I like warm it. up together. That'd be fun. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> her voice is like soothing, like I on know. tour, it's just like it gets you in the zone. <laughs> 
also I also warm up to other warm ups too. That's okay. just but on tour I like to use that one because it also just like helps me calm down. Like 15, 20 minutes and you're you're in the zone. Yes, it's it's great. Yes, basically great. I brush my hair and do that at the same time. It's 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 that's <laughs> basically what happens. It is soothing. It's, yes, it's very yeah. soothing. I can do it like in my sleep. I probably don't even need to play it because like I oh, know yeah. it, like I've memor- memorized it, but I enjoy like just putting it and not thinking and just like doing what, you know, routine. getting ready for the okay. show. The, the, the power routine. of routine, the power of routine and the, the way that it psychologically affects us. It's very, yes. very interesting. I think as a vocalist, it's so important to, to, to be in the, the right mindset to perform mm-hmm. vocals. It's, it's a, cause it's not like a stretch thing. It's not like a, I need to change my strings. I need new drum skins or something. It's, it's a lot of it's happening in our head. It's and controlling our body. So if yeah. something makes us feel yes. nice and relaxed, such as listening to a soothing Melissa cross voice, it's a good yes. thing. Yes, <laughs> it's, it is. It's so true. Yeah. Your, your mindset is, it's like mind over matter and, mm-hmm. and your, your feelings, your emotions going into the show are going to, completely affect how the show goes if you're you know feeling it it's gonna show on the stage 100 and you've done this play like big festivals and then you're for some reason out of breath more because yeah. you're, you're excited yeah. and, and nervous yeah. and it takes a few songs to like calm down any kind of stress up. or yeah. nervousness tenses you up and that's really bad for singing definitely being relaxed is huge but breathe. to get back to your question about the growl, I started, yeah, in high school, I just did it until I figured it out and I wasn't like good at first. <laughs> like it sounded like pretty flat and bad at first. And I just kept doing it just cause I liked it just cause I wanted to get better. I'm like, no, I'm going to make this heavier and better. And I want to try the low screams and the high screams and the mids. And I want to try this. Like, I want to do like, you know, like these vocalists who are doing a mix of vocals. I want to try it. And I want to just have one sound. So I kept going and kept trying different things until it got better and better. And um, until in college, that's when I had my first band. Because in high school, it never worked out. There was like a good female friend that played guitar. And I was trying really hard to get her to start like... The next, you know, all-female metal band after Kitty. <laughs> I was like, let's, let's do this. But it's, it's, it was pretty hard to find motivated musicians in high school. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. And well, yeah. you have to make you have to make a lot of like sacrifices if you want to be in a band in high school. You're not going to play <laughs> yeah. necessarily the genre of music you want to play. You can play music, yeah. but it might yes. not be what you want to play. That takes time. Right. Like-minded musicians. That's difficult. Yes, definitely. Before like the real age of the internet, the internet existed then, but it wasn't, there wasn't really a lot to find there. It was hard to find people. You would go to like actual guitar store billboards to find musicians. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or the jam room. Yeah. Yeah. But then like in college already, it was easier. Like the internet was better. And there was like, I discovered the metal forum return to the pit. And then that's how I really discovered a lot of like local musicians and stuff. Um, but the first band I had was in college and it was when I was traveling, I studied abroad in Spain. So the first band I actually had was in Spain because I was studying abroad for a semester there. And it just, it just happened that I was in class with some metal heads and I was like, Hey, nice death shirt. And like, we just started talking. And then I went to their, 
jam session and ended up on the mic and ended up joining the band that already was existing before I was there and played with them for those months. And then after I left, they kept going and that's, that's how it was. <laughs> so cool. So cool that they're going to, you had to go to Spain to find like-minded <laughs> musicians. Come on, come on, Boston. Let's go. I think it Jeez. was just, it was just fate. I'm sure, I, I'm sure, sure it could have ended up. But then when I came back, I, I had already the, the hunger for it after that. I was like, I had the experience <laughs> of playing. We Even in those six months, we played three shows somehow. So like there I came back go. and I was like, I want more of this. Yeah. So yeah. So then I, I made, made friends with some more metalheads in my college in Boston, Massachusetts College of Art. Now it's Massachusetts College of Art and Design or Mass Art for short. Yeah. So then I made some friends with some metalheads in my full-time school and they introduced me to the return to the pit website. And then I started going to discovering the local Boston scene. I hadn't known about it before that. So, so then I found there was all these death metal bands in Boston. Yeah. And so I started going to more shows and, and meeting other musicians and playing on stage with some friends bands until, until, yeah, I had some failed projects before finally forming abnormality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but there was a band before that, that, we never ended up recording, but yeah, it didn't, didn't work out. But those guys then formed Sexcrement and some of those guys had been in Goratory before that. You've probably heard, heard of Goratory. Yeah. yeah. So, so I got to cross paths with a lot of the, you know, legendary metal guys in the Boston scene and then got to form Abnormality. And, and Jay, Jay was in Goratory. He was the original drummer of Goratory actually the the drummer from abnormality mm-hmm. and uh yeah some some other projects too from the other guys so i think it was just like it was just like fate the way things happened i guess yeah oh, your, so. your voice was ready for when abnormality took off because it, it definitely <laughs> did take off it went a huge international yeah. act toured all over the thank world thank you um, but you, you hung up your boots a few years ago. What, 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 how did that feel to, to put an end to something? It was really hard. Yeah. And definitely had, you know, second thoughts a lot. And did I do the right, did we do the right thing? Did I do the right thing to call it quits? And it was, as opposed to just like a prolonged hiatus, let's say. Yeah. Right. Like, but I felt inside that, you know, it was never going to get back together. So why, why leave it as on a hiatus and have people asking us oh, all the, the time hope, when we're getting hope, back together. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to give false hope to anyone when I do inside that it wasn't going to get back together. Mm-hmm. I just had Vicky Sarakis on and she mm-hmm. just, they pulled the plug on the agonist a few months ago and she exactly. was saying she wished more bands had the balls to pull the triggers. Exactly what she said, uh, to not leave false hope in, in the hands of the fans. It's not, it's really not easy, especially after being together many years we had been together for 15 years. It's exactly. such a long time. Yeah. It's so like, hard it's to like walk away life, from that. A whole half a lifetime, you know? It's like ending a relationship, you know, I guess it's the best comparison. hundred percent. Like getting divorced. It, I've been divorced and that's the, the same feeling, you know, it's a relationship with four other people or, or however many you have in your band. Yeah. It's, it's a relationship of many years and to end it is like, has a lot of significance and, and all those years spent together and memories and everything. It's, it's yeah. But sometimes you have to, you know, life takes you in different directions and, you know, you'd be doing a disservice to yourself and, and the other members of the band. If you, you know, try too hard to keep it together when it's really just coming apart at the seams, you know, it's, it's just, it's healthier to stop it. It's healthier. Yeah. It's healthier when you just know it in your heart when it's time, I think. 
And and had you not done that hypothetically, you would not be where you are now with Unfathomable Ruination, which is a killer band that I got to play with uh, back in 2019 when I was out on tour with Aborted. Uh, we they jumped on the tour, so much fun. The UK portion of the <laughs> tour was just killer. Uh, so so you you had you had replaced for them is what happened, and then they probably enjoyed that experience, and then their vocalist had to go at some point, and then they gave you the call. Yeah, I, I was the first person that they thought of, and, and the only person that they tried out, the only person they thought of, actually. They just knew that, that I was the one that they wanted. I was surprised. I asked them, how many other people are you trying out? They're like, no one. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah, but when you tour with a band, you know, it's, it's more than just what you can do on the mic. It's you as a human in the touring vehicle. The day-to-day, yeah. the socials. You do bring a lot. You, 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 you run a label. Mm-hmm. You're an artist. You, you're more than just a vocalist. So, so the, you, you come with like the, if you were like, a, I don't play, <laughs> if you're a Pokemon character, <laughs> you have all these extra like points on your card or Dungeons and Dragons or something. You're, 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 you're like a secret I guess star. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess so. I, yeah, I bring a lot to the table, I suppose. And it helps that we were friends beforehand. Yeah, mm-hmm. it helps. You, you know what better than having one of your friends in a in a band with you Absolutely. so we had already been friends for years we'd hung out we'd partied before and we just got each other like we had the same taste in music it just made sense yeah for me it was a no-brainer like 100 percent. they asked me i was like this is like probably not really good timing but yes like i'm gonna figure this out i'm gonna make this work i have like two young kids but i really yeah. want to do this so we're gonna make we're gonna make it work yeah so we made it work yeah and it's going really well we dropped a killer killer single and i hope there's more music coming the defying symphony of universal dissonance came out back in 2022 that was basically how they announced you being a part of the band so i hope that you're working on new material now and if you can't really talk about it, you can tell me that but if there is something to talk about about the future of new material coming up what what's going on there yeah i can talk about it because we've kind of said this online yeah that we did the single just as a taste of what's to come our collaboration together and we are working towards the next full album and this year or 2024 it will be out yeah very exciting I, I hope that we get to share the stage together i hope we get to share many stages together because uh, i had such a good time with them a very very fun band to um, party and if they're listening to this uh, manchester was fun <laughs> i'm gonna ask about the details <laughs> later Not but yeah the, the guys had nothing yeah nothing but good things to say about you though yeah they were like you have to go on on the on the show and so yeah that makes me happy. That makes me very happy. Uh, t- talk to me about, you, you mentioned when in high school you were thinking about starting an all-female band. Uh, now you're a mother of two in a, in a band. Uh, talk to me, what is the worst, stupidest question, and I hope it's not this one, that you've ever received because you're a female extreme vocalist? I mean, it's the one I get all the time. What's it like being a girl in a metal band? It's like, what's it like being a man in a metal band? Like, exactly. what kind of question is that? Like, I only know what being a woman is. Like, I can't. <laughs> it's like, it feels like being in a metal band. Like, what's this question supposed to ask? What's it like having a vagina? I don't I don't understand what you're asking. <laughs> but I get that question all the time. <laughs> but, you know, I try to answer it. Like, but... Yeah, it, it it just is what it is. Eventually, it's not going to be such a big deal. No, there's more. But there's I, so, more, so much more yeah. prominent now. Amazing. It's already much better it's than amazing. it was, and I, I, I celebrate it. Because when I got started playing in death metal bands, I was very often the only woman. And on tours with, you know, 
with three, four other bands, and I was the only woman amongst like twenty dudes, and I didn't like it. Anytime there oh, yeah. was like a woman at the show, I was like, "Be my friend! Oh, thank God, give me a hug! <laughs> <laughs> I need the female energy. It's like totally like too much testosterone all around." I I really love that there's so many more women involved, and so many talented women involved in the metal scene now, and I love it, and I. I just hope that eventually it's going to be like 50-50 and it's going to not be a big deal at all because women love metal, have from the very beginning been involved with metal. There's so many awesome female musicians. Unfortunately, so many have been discouraged and, you know, it's really sad like how, you know, sexist the scene can be and I'm glad that it's getting more and more balanced and it's becoming less of a big deal for sure. Everyone screams, both boys, baby boys and baby girls. You know, it's a thing yes. that humans do. They they cry and they scream. So a lot of people don't yeah. think like, oh, oh, that's a girl. How can she do that with her voice? It's like, we can all do this with our voice. It's just about practicing. <laughs> right. And it's like the demon voice, the metal voice. It's not really the male voice either. It's not no. male or female. It's like the monster voice. Exactly. And there could be a female monster or a male monster. And it's the same thing. It's like, exactly. it's not a gender thing. And then with sure. like massive bands... I, I've said this about deathcore vocalists uh, with what Will's doing now on social media and the prominence that they have in the scene and social media. There's going to be a lot mm -hmm. more really talented vocalists mm -hmm. coming up. But the same thing is yes. happening on the other spectrum with Courtney from Spirit Box yeah. and Ginger, Tatiana, I think is her name. Um, prominent, just like on social media, being so cool, being feminine but mm -hmm. also being just slaying extreme vocals. So, so all these young, I hope that's a whole new generation of young female extreme vocalists that are coming up because of these influences. Yeah. I'm seeing like young girls cover like the spirit box songs or ginger songs. I love it. I love to see it. Yeah. I think they're inspiring the next generation of, of metal singers and metal heads. Hell and yes. it's, 50, it's good 50. to see. Let's do 50, 50. Mm -hmm. I like that. And, and the, the parties will be way more fun. Oh my God. Yeah. Who wants to be at a, at a sausage party? Nobody, not, not the guys and not the women. Exactly. So like, <laughs> hello, let's, let's make it balanced. Everyone's cool. going to be happier. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hops heads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Talk to me about uh, running a label, Ultimate Massacre Productions, with your, your husband, with Serge. Uh, talk to me about that, how that came together, um, the day-to-day -day of that. Um, it's a lot of work running a label. I know that. Yeah. Uh, I thought about it myself. We, we've been talking about it at this exact moment, me and Christian uh, from Cryptopsy. Oh, and yeah? I keep trying to discourage okay. him because it seems like a lot of work. So. <laughs> 
convince me it's yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how honest do you want me to be? Honest. Here? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a lot of, I know it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's a lot more work than I thought. And it is, it's, yeah, maybe I would have, you know, had a little bit more pause if I knew the reality of it, but I kind of, yeah, it's, it's, I, I love it. I love that we did it. And I had a, like a lot of fun. It's been a really good experience. We're kind of winding it down a little bit because okay. we're getting more, we're getting more active with our bands right exactly. now with him with epicardiectomy and me with unfathomable and my side project emasculator. Um, so it, it takes so much time. You could be doing only a label and it would take all your time. Oh, yeah. So like to be splitting it between, you know, having bands and, and a job or kids. And right now I'm, I'm lucky that I'm in a country where we have maternity leave. So I, I haven't been working the last couple of years. So I've, I've just been taking care of the kids and doing Amazing. music right now. Yeah. So sounds, I, I'm really like lucky to be in that position, yeah. <laughs> but eventually I will be going back to work too. So I'll be balancing all those things. So like, yeah, we, we're kind of, you know, for a while I really, we really pushed the label like really strongly. I was thinking to make it my job. And mm-hmm. then I realized over time that it wasn't really like a big money stream. Yeah. It could be eventually just like with a band, if you push it eventually. It's super hard. It's, I spoke to Robin from Pelagic and he, it, you know, like yeah. if it didn't work, it did, it wasn't going to work. And it's, it's yeah. hard. To, it's a lot of investment, right? You yeah. need to store stuff. You need to ship stuff. The day to day is. Oh my is... gosh, our our house is just full of so many things. Yeah, <laughs> so I think we, yeah, like not just and the label is still together. We're still doing it. We're just kind of doing it like more part time instead of full time. I was really pushing it full time for a while, and then I realized, you know, I can make a lot more money doing art like what I was doing. And I rather, you know, it was kind of just killing the excitement for me a little bit too. So I realized that I was happier doing music myself rather than supporting other bands, which I also enjoyed that experience of helping other bands, you know, break out. Um, and I still completely will do that, you know, as my, you know, part time, but I didn't want to do it like full time and miss out on making music. So that was like, you know, I was doing everything all at once and I was kind of getting burned out. So I just kind of, you know, took a step back and focused more on what I love, which is making the music. Yeah. Your, your experience with the label, how does that affect your relationship with your band's labels? Like when you look at how your bands are being treated now, you've stepped into Mm -hmm. unfathomable and they're already on a label. I should have written that down, but I don't remember. Willow tip. Willow Willow tip at this moment. So when you, and Mm -hmm. if Willow tips listening, hello, uh, how do you, examine or your relationship with a band's relationship with their label after having been a label? You know, I think the experience of owning a small record label, independent record label has been, you know, really educational and it's made me really appreciate all the independent labels out there and the ones doing really awesome big things. I see how much unpaid labor goes into it. It's a labor of love, just like being in a band. Um, And there's so many amazing indie labels out there right now and they're the ones doing the most interesting music you know some of the most interesting music right now yeah so like nse and willow tip yeah there's some of the most amazing bands coming out on them like defeated sanity and you know putridity and and things like that so i I have such a huge love for those labels severed records abnormality was on in the beginning before we moved to metal blade and yeah just those guys you know making it making the music happen and, and and getting the music spread around the world it's I have such like a huge appreciation for it and I really enjoyed those experience of releasing like some awesome music and 
um, seeing the other side of things because I had spent so many years as a band and I and I I have a new appreciation for everything that labels do, you know, and spreading the music. I think I was, you know, as a band, you don't realize all the all the little things that go into having a label to get the music out and. Um, it's just easier to blame the labels, the labels yeah, fault. It's, e- <laughs> it's easier to like hate your label. And now I just like really, I have so much like gratitude for like everything that the labels I've been on have like done for us. And like the labels I'm currently on with my bands, like everything they're doing. And, it, and I can see from their perspective now having owned a label and I do, you know, I'm a lot better at promotion now. <laughs> Having had a label, I understand how it works, the PR and social media and everything. So I got a lot better with it after that. And I'm using my knowledge now to help my bands that I'm doing. Um, I, I, you know, I just like, you know, educated myself, you know, while we had the label, we did everything ourselves, you know, so what, what goes into, you know, pressing CDs and, and vinyl, although we never did vinyl, but I looked into, into what it go, what goes into it and stuff. Um, yeah. And the digital distribution side of things and, and yeah, Bandcamp and everything. Yeah. So the, I, I see the whole picture of the music industry now and it, it's, it's so tough, like for the major labels too, there's a lot less money to go around since, you know, most fans of music expect to stream music for free That's these days. Correct. And it's just the reality, you know, love it or hate it. It's just the reality. You know, most metalheads are going to use Spotify and, and you're going to get like 0.0001 cent per stream. And, you, you know, there's no point in staying mad about it if you're mad about it. You know, it's just the reality today. So like the majority of, you know, money is like from merchandise or like collectible items like vinyl and everything or CDs, you know, so like. Yeah. So seeing that, understanding that and, you know, knowing that there's not such a huge profit margin for labels, like bless them, like all of them that are still doing it out there, like killing it. So, yeah, it's just it's given me like a whole new perspective and appreciation for the underground, you know, especially the underground, but also the you know mainstream metal, too, because it's not that easy for, you know, Metal Blade or the big labels, too. You know, it's like hit or miss on on some albums some bands they, they probably take a lot less chances than they would mm-hmm. have in the back in the day because they want that somewhat of a recoup a guaranteed recoup right i think they yeah i think they invest less too like they i think it used to be like they give you like a you know a sixty thousand dollar advance and i don't think they do that anymore <laughs> i mean you can buy a car and not, not, <laughs> not not to 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 most bands some bands maybe but not not to all of them <laughs> From experience, I'll say. Um, I think we, yeah, I think we missed the golden, the golden days of being in a metal band, like you know, probably with like Obituary and like you know, well, or like you know, Metallica even, or you know, I think they had a much different experience than than our generation did making music. True. But I, but I, but I think it's awesome, like that, you know. Th- the underground is really where it's at. It's like the most true and, and, you know, appreciative fans and, you know, most, you know, pe- everyone here is doing it for the love of the music and obviously not for the money. So, so it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, that everyone loves the music and is here for the right reasons. Talk to me about your art, uh, being an artist, you, you went to art school. So I imagine that has something to do with it. Uh, how long have you drawn? Uh, what, what is this side of you? Same like singing. I've been making art for as long as I can remember. I have like, still have drawings from when I was like three, three years old. <laughs> yeah, really? I've been wow. drawing as long as I can remember. Yeah. 
and my mom like kept all my drawings. <laughs> like, That's awesome. So yeah, I, I have proof of it. Yeah. And I went to art school. Yeah. I think just because, you know, I kind of had a hard time figuring out what, what I was going to do after high school, but I felt the most drawn to art and music and I guess mostly art I had the most experience in. So I went to art school and, um, yeah, and I've been, you know, working as a professional artist since then. Yeah. Freelancing sometimes. Worked in video, video games too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good balance to my music, I think. So I can kind of treat, you know, art as my profession and music as my passion, as my hob more as my hobby. Although I've tried to make it more like full time at times, like with abnormality, I was really pushing to make it like full time and do less work, but it was, it's really hard. Just like with the label, it's really hard to make it your full time job. At least if you're doing death metal, like maybe if you're doing death core or something a little bit more mainstream, like spirit box, I think you could possibly do it full time, but it's, it's really hard. Well, the, the art, the art is a good side hustle though, too, too. Yeah. It's, it's good that I can always do freelance or exactly. part-time work. Yeah. I, you always have to have some kind of side hustle when you're doing more underground music. Yeah. I think I could have like, you know, pushed it. It's possible that we could have done it full time, but it never would have been like a, a big salary. I guess there's always been more potential with the art side of things for me. So I kind of just let it go. Yeah. I tried for a while to make it like more full time and then it wasn't really working out that easily, I guess. So I, I was like, okay, you know, it's better if this is more like, you know, as my passion and I can not th worry about the money, you know, just, mm -hmm. you know, do this because I enjoy it. So that's kind of how I see it now. Yeah. For me at least, but I know other bands take it more as their full-time thing for, for you. Do you also work or is it I more work full, full time? time? Thing? No, I work full time yeah. as an early childhood educator. Uh, the podcast is my side hassle and the band, the band, uh, comes and goes ebbs and flows, uh, yeah. with the album cycles. So, yeah, I think it's easier. Like, but I mean, I, I'm friends with a lot of bands that do it full time, like, you know, like suffocation, um, mm -hmm. And they're just like road dogs, like constantly mm -hmm. on tour, you know, and that's how you have to make ends. Yeah. You just have to make ends meet like that way by being on tour all the time. So, you know, once I got a little bit more settled in life, I was like, okay, I think I, I want to have a little bit more balance. And, and that's just like what I choose for my life. Yeah. Same. I like the yin and the yang. I like being at home with my kids and then I like going on tour and then missing both of them. You know yes, what I mean? On yes. tour, want to be home. At a, when I'm at home, I want to mm -hmm. be on tour, have that yin and yang approach. It's just, there's been a lot of at home over the past few years because of the pandemic, but <laughs> it's coming back, people. September, we're hitting yes. the States. Do it. Come it, hang out if you're it around. It is back. Yeah, that's the sweet, <laughs> that's the sweet spot, I think. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, but no, much respect to you, like with Cryptopsy and everything. Oh, yeah, like thank you. everything yeah. that you guys do. <laughs> I love making collabs. I've made over 80 collabs in the past four years for the podcast. I've made some stuff for Cryptopsy. If you could make a perfect collab for you, it could be a beer. It could be anything else. What would the perfect collab be for you? Hmm. That's a good question. I would love a coffee collab, honestly, or beer, but coffee. I'm, a, I'm like big into coffee and tea. So coffee or tea. I love tea also. Um, that's, that would be something that I would enjoy every day. With with uh, with beer, I'm like more like a once, you know, once every couple of weeks, once a month kind of drinker. Especially after having kids, I don't drink too often. But a coffee collab would be awesome, and I'm I'm loving all the the death metal collaborations with coffee I've been seeing. So 
I would be really into a coffee collab. There's a bunch of amazing um, coffee companies out there. Um, I just got a bag from Blech. Blech. B L E G H. Yeah, and you should you, you should definitely hang out with them and uh, make a make an unfathomable ruination coffee. I think it'd be cool. One last question, classic Fox and Hops wrap-up question. You just sort of hit it right there. Probably doesn't happen to you very often because, you know, as you just mentioned, you only drink every few weeks. Um, but every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Oh, I drink as much water as I can and you know, try to sleep as much as I can. And then I just power through. Yes. I, I never take, I never take aspirin. No, I'm, I'm that kind of person. So I just power through the, the sickness and I remind myself why not to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, like I feel awful. Let's, let's go a long time before drinking that much. <laughs> See, there's wise, wise words, and, uh, you know, your husband owns a bar, so so the, the potential of danger is always around you, but you've learned from your past mistakes, as not everyone does, so that's very inspiring. So, so listen to yourselves when you wake up in the morning, people, and say, um, you know, why did I do this to myself? I'm not going to do it again. Be like <laughs> Malika, and don't do it again. Malika, thank you so, so much for taking the time, hanging out with me, talking about your life, talking about music, talking about craft beer, talking about uh, brand new Unfathomable Ruination. Not talking about our super top secret project that you're a part of, uh, but we will oh. do an episode with everyone involved once that's closer to the date. Malika, thank you so, so much. This was amazing. Thank you, Matt. Cheers. <laughs> Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening to Right Today. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this is an awesome conversation. I'm so stoked that I finally connected with Malika. What an incredible vocalist she is. I am so damn stoked to have her involved in a very top secret project that I will not talk about right now, but it's coming up eventually. Um, she just kills it. One of the best out there. I'm very stoked for this brand new Unfathomable Ruination material that's going to see the light of day hopefully soon. Uh, beyond stoked that we got to talk about her label, Ultimate Massacre Productions, and everything else that we've discussed. I'm beyond stoked that we are finally connected, and I cannot wait to hang out face-to-face. -face. Malika, thank you so, so much. You rule. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Middle Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. When you do that, you shall receive one email a week that contains all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You will get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will also get to hear about any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public, and you'll be up to date on anything that's going on in the world of cryptopsy, such as our brand brand new album that is coming out on September 8th via Nuclear Blast called As Gamora Burns. You will also get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently, and you'll get to see which albums have been added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by Jerry Mug, Vox and Hops' metal architect himself. Trust me, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world of the Vox and Hops metal podcast, and I hate when you miss a single thing, so please do me a favor and sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcast. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I have one final episode until I take a month-long break in August coming up this Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. It is now 2024. And the choice is up to you. 
Do you listen to good podcasts or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going Strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts? Thank you. <laughs>